ancient spirits of evil transform this decayed form to Mumra. Welcome to another episode of Nerd Words. I am the Nathan. I am a Bob. And we are here to talk to you about things that are interesting to us. Welcome to this podcast. So, uh, hey, I got a little thing that maybe some people knew and didn't know. Uh, We just had our two-year anniversary. Yay! Uh, Happy two-year anniversary. Get back in the kitchen! I had these lofty ideas that I was like, man, we should do this and we should do that and we should do this. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have to work and I have to, like, do other things that are related to this podcast. And I just never had the time huh. nor inclination. So this is our haphazard celebration of two years. That's Thanks for listening. With guys. your dork thumbs up. I appreciate <laughs> it. So hey, uh, I was going to ask you, I don't know if I uh, told you about this. Did I tell you about Colonel Kurtz in a headlock? No. OK, What's- so I'm going to tell you a story. I don't know if this is even a story I should tell because it's a work-related story. Okay. But um, I'm helping a customer at work, right? And for those of you that don't know, I am a technician of sorts, and I help people with their products that are electronic to make them work. And I'm helping this woman, and she's a fairly large woman, um, not like fat large, just like big, right? And she's just like covered head to toe in like all these tattoos and, you know, nice enough person you know, really awesome personality. And we're sitting at this very long table, right? And she's got a friend with her and she also has a kid. And the kid is like, I don't know, he's probably around the age of two, give or take, full head of like curly hair, starting to try to articulate words, right? um, you know, kind of walking around. And uh, I don't really think anything of it. And she's got the kid on her lap, and and I'm working with her device, and um, I I have someone uh, bringing me a replacement so that we can get this thing swapped, and uh, because it's not working, whatever. And she's got the kid, and the kid's like, man, you know, kind of fussy or whatever. And uh, I have to emphasize, like, I could tell it was a younger child, but he was a large child for being so young. Okay. Like, he was about, I don't know, a good two and a half feet, you know? He was... He, he had some stature to him. And uh, again, full head of hair, like, you know, a couple years worth of growth. And uh, so the kid's on her lap, just hanging out, doing his thing, being like a little pushy kid, grabbing on everything. No big deal. I deal with that shit all day long. Right. And uh, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my device and doing some typing, and I'm waiting for this phone to come. And I notice, like, the kid's laying across her lap, like, you know, like he's flying, you know, <laughs> and she's like trying to do something with her one hand, typing in a password on her phone or whatever. And uh, the kid is like pushing his hand away, uh, like pushing, pushing his hand to like, you know, get her to pay attention to him or whatever. Right. And moving his feet around and doing like little kicks. And I'm like, it's weird. He would be laying there like that and doing that. Like, why wouldn't he just get up and, and annoy the shit out of her? And uh, I looked to my left. And it's because this child is attached to a giant tit 
the the child is breastfeeding on this giant round globe of a tit. And so at some point in our interaction, without me being aware, she took this kid and latched her on latched him onto her boob and went about her business as if nothing were happening and I did not see it happen. And now I'm I'm an open person. Like I don't care about the whole breastfeeding thing. No big deal. Do it in public. It's a child, it's natural. But like I, because I didn't notice this happen, I was just totally thrown off my game, right? I was totally taken out of I was just like Like you do. Try not to look at the and and I have to emphasize and I I sort of launched with the joke here, but it looked like the baby had Colonel Kurtz in a headlock. <laughs> It was like Kojak in a chokehold. It, it was just this giant, bulbous, round boob. Now, again, I have to emphasize, this was a larger girl, right? She's probably a little taller than me, wide-shouldered, you know, big, solid breeding stock. So her boobs were... Breeding stock. I just want to point out, you just said breeding stock. So I'm like we sitting there... cattle yards around I'm here. I'm sitting there waiting for this phone, right, to get to, to get brought up to me. And it, time is just going by. just And I'm like, what is taking so long? There's this boob right in front of me. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and after like five minutes, I realized it was to my left. It had already been delivered. And I had been sitting there waiting for it. And I completely was unaware it had even happened. I was so fucking taken out um, of it. You, you got hit with the boob? <laughs> yeah, That's I, just like, I just like got knocked for a loop, stunned. Well, and, titties do make a man stupid, Nate. And, and, but, you know, here's the thing. Like, it wasn't a tit. I was like, yeah, there's a tit there. It was like, oh, my God, what is happening My right friend, now? I know. I, uh, I have no problem stating this. I get awkward all the time when I see it. I've seen it multiple times in my yeah. life. I've had relatives. It, it never not phases me. Right. Because it's like I, it's like I have an instinct that I should not be seeing this, and and I was like, how is this gonna end? Like she's gonna have to take the kid off the boob, and to her credit, masterfully, I maybe it was because I was making an effort to maintain eye contact, but it was just like flop, flop, and just back, like kid was done, and I was like, that kid seems too old to be breastfeeding. And I don't know what like the general age of like when that should end is, but I felt like that kid was big enough to have driven to the store. Like he, he was a big fucking. You're, you're describing kid. like a like a 15 year old. Yeah, just he's like, like hey, uh, I'm done with the tit. Put that away. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, ma. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so that that was my very weird experience at work. Kind of bizarre. Yeah, kinda... I just felt like I was kicked right in the gut, and I, I wanted to share that because. I was pretty sure I hadn't. Sort of a tough topic too, because I've uh, I've been chastised more than once about my awkwardness, where I was told, you know, hey, you know, when kids hungry, what do you do if it's an infant? You know, what are you gonna not let the infant feed? Like, yeah. nah, I can leave though. Right, no, nah, and you know, it, that's me. I I've been working in a Microsoft retail store where that happened and walked out the building, <laughs> and they were like, we're gonna write you up. I was like, write me up then. Right, and, like really, why they need a private spot? The kids got to eat. She's got a breast. She's got a load. Right, kids got it. Hey, cool. You know, and, and don't want to see it. I don't. I don't really mind the. You know, I just feel like because I wasn't warned, it just totally threw me for a loop. Like I didn't know it was happening, and then it was happening. I'm. I'm, I'm just saying <laughs> it. It's just me, and and I get that. I get your awkwardness. Maybe I'm a little more to the extreme end of mm -hmm. it. But I could. I, I couldn't have stayed there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I went. To, I would have went to the back to look for the phone. 
This was, what do you do? It's look, man, just don't worry about it. Well, that was my, thing. that was my thought. I was like, okay, how do I extract myself from the situation? Just cause it's very uncomfortable right now. I'll go look for the phone. And I looked to the left and there it was. And I was like, why have I been sitting here this whole time? I could have been doing work instead of this weird, uncomfortable waiting while this child gnaws on a boob but you know whatever it was just a it was a weird situation it definitely like put me in a, a haze uh yeah so yeah it was great um but yeah so that's my wacky story for the week <laughs> so today on 25 years of vampire the masquerade we talked about clan book Shamsay. and uh um one of the big things about the clan is the pronunciation of it and Everyone can't let this go. No, everyone pronounces it differently. Are we still getting shit about this? No, no, no. We're. I don't think we are. Um, I just think it's an interesting thing that, like, I there. It's rare to hear two people pronounce it the same way. It's it's weird because I know we've multiple times talked about it. Yeah. So it's like it's like it's me. It's pronunciation. Yeah. Eh. I don't want to beat a dead horse. <laughs> I just I just thought it was an interesting thing to mention. Um, but one of the cool things is on the a few times that we have mentioned it. Um, when I've talked to like people on Twitter, uh, from like White Wolf or from Onyx Path, they're just like, "Don't, it's not even a thing." Just but here's the thing: I don't know how it got to be a thing. Like that denotes that there was apparently a, a, an uproar. No, yeah. an uproar in what? No, it's a, a, one of the early podcasts that we did when we mentioned them. Um, the the a lot of the interaction that I had with people on the internet was like, oh, I hate how you pronounce it. And I'm like, well, I hate how you pronounce it. It doesn't matter. It's not it's not a real word. Not fucking real. It's, right. it's just not. And and we're not from Transylvania or the Carpathians. Even if I was. Right. <laughs> right. So well let's let's get into like some of the interesting things about the clan. Uh do you have any stories about um I don't know if I've ever seen you play this clan as a player oh as a player no um no storyteller in their right mind ever lets me play anything out out of sight of seven <laughs> i've only ever been permitted to play la sombra once and i don't think you'll ever make that mistake again no i don't i don't have a problem with you playing la sombra I, why'd you end the game i was uh, enjoying that la sombra uh, yeah you know i don't remember um but uh in my in my early days of storytelling uh i think it's just like running out of steam you know what i mean like I think that's everybody. Every every story I've ever come across has a good solid three game sessions that they're really uh, into have, it. I have more than three game sessions. Solid three good sa- game sessions. Max of like 12 <laughs> is usually what I'll get. There's about that. You know, it's a solid three months, right? That's what it is. Hey, and then, well, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm not sorry that you're a creative guy, you know? Where you're like, you, you, are, you are one of the few players, and I'm not trying to fucking toot your horn. That's not the point of this, but just on the level, for real, uh, you have a you have a habit, and it's a good habit, but you have a habit of devouring story. You know, I present you know me as a storyteller. That's all I can go by. But you know, I'll pre- present story, and Bob's on it like a fucking <laughs> you know. You're like white on rice. Whereas with a lot of other players, they I don't see a lot of like critically digesting story or seeing where plot can go or following that plot now that's not to say everyone's like that but there's a lot of people that you present them with options or you present them with a story and they do more nodding than they do okay 
how do I follow this path? Where does this go? So yeah, I could see that where, you know, storytellers are like, they can be intimidated by, by you playing something outside of like the vanilla seven clans of the Camarilla <laughs> right. because Bob's going to devour my story and I, I won't know where to go from there. You know, it's like they set a goal or a benchmark like, okay, I've got six weeks of story here. And then by the time that six weeks comes, I'll be able to, you know, further that down the line. And in two weeks, you've devoured six. That's why I play people who are mentally handicapped now. <laughs> that's my role playing challenge. I'll play someone who doesn't get it. That's why, <laughs> that's why I do it on purpose. I do it because I want I want to play a game. Right. <laughs> that's why I do it. You know. So, uh, to the topic, yeah, I haven't got to really play as a meese for any extended length of time. Honestly, it's it's always been like, hey, we're gonna do a one shotter, and I'm like, well, what's the point? Right. You know, I'm not gonna make something too too intimate. I've often wanted to play Zemis. Um, that's something I think would be amazing under a storyteller's idea of what it is. But I know what it is. I've been told what it is. I am a master of horror. I love it. I eat it up. And then if a storyteller has to portray something that horrific like a Zemis and be worse than me as a chilled, they don't want the challenge. Right. They don't want it. It's nah, man, like we're we're not gonna scare you, so what's the point? Funny thing is, I get scared easy. Mentally. Right. I'm a, I'm a Lovecraftian fan a lot as well, and I enjoy the horror that comes out of someone. Like, if you can portray, I can play somebody who's being stalked and enjoy the aspect of being scared. That's why I like horror films, right? I could put myself in those shoes. It's an acting trait. I enjoy that. And when you think of someone like the Zemis, storyteller perspective now, well, what are the difficulties in portraying a proper Zemis? I will tell you none. It's it's not difficult. It may be to me, mm -hmm. but when you think about it, you're a clan that's already from a set stereotype. Right. Every single sire is going to be this way. You are the lord of a fiefdom, whether you were the voivode itself and you had this whole entire swath of land to make it easier for the listeners who may not know, we'll just say Dracula. If right. I'm going to play Dracula and someone's going to play Mimina, right? My job is to portray the horror that she's offsetting by being innocent, by being my lover, by being the one I love. She's the only ray of light in my life, and I'm going to snuff it out and make her like me. But we're going to tell the tale beyond that. And I am not the weak Dracula that killed himself. I am the one that made right. Mina. And now I want her because I elevated her above all my brides to go forth into, into the night to conquest. Well, how do we do that? Very simple. The basics. Focus on who the sire is. Why is he so horrific? What what makes Dracula dark? What are, what are some of the theories behind it? Why you know get into all that meat of it. Right. Make that your main portrayal. And no matter what that chilled thinks they are, you are ten times worse than what they come up with. For instance, I don't have to portray a thousand dead babies to get across horror at all. <laughs> right. No, I don't. Of course not. But the first time she has to frenzy and she kills someone and because my blood's in her, that beast is going to be horrific. Yeah. She may plant her fist into someone's intestines and didn't mean to, but she did and turns around and sees it and then goes, holy shit, my sire's going to be pissed. But I'm going to come in and I'm going to praise her. I'm going to come in, Amina, look what you've done. It's, he's, <laughs> he's everywhere. He's all over. You got the ceiling. 
Oh, you have a little on your chin. Come here. Let me let me get this for you. Right. You've done well. I leave it for the authorities to find these peasants. They have reasons to fear. You know this, Mina. Right. Um, I, and I, well, leave. I, I think that that's one of the things that, that is often missed um, by storytellers. And like, I've only had the occasion to play... Long, like I've I've never been able to play the clan on a long term basis, um, only at like conventions or games where there were quite a few different Sabat games that we played back in the day. But then for whatever reason, they last like three weeks and then it'd be over. Uh, like not even a full summer. You remember Kitty, right? No, Greta played Kitty. Yes, yes, I do. So her sire Florian Kunescu. I made Florian with Greta. She mm-hmm. made her character, and I lied to her and told her I already made her sire. I didn't. I had an idea of who her sire was. But she built that character to be like your typical, and even she said she's starting somewhere. Right. The tale at the end something else entirely. Well, from what she made, I made Florian. I had this whole line done. I just I really grooved to him. But the key of portraying him was how little I portrayed him. Right. That's, that's everything, because whenever she... She thirsted to meet him. She had to talk to him. She was hitting these... As her, her humanity dwindled, and it got more dangerous for her, and as these Camarilla were getting closer to finding out who she was, Florian and her... She was an infiltrator, and Florian existed in the city as well, and she found him in an abandoned church once, and then he started sending out invitations for her and him to go hunt. And when they would hunt, there would always be something new she would learn from the hunt. Like, I was teaching her metamorphosis. Right. But Greta didn't realize I was teaching her metamorphosis until we had gone over all the tenants, but we role-played the tenants. And then I, in the book, here's what it is. Once that happened, her role-playing changed dramatically. She was doing fine being who she was, but she's playing a human, you know, it's, it's a human playing a human. Right. But when her and I had that serious talk at the last time, she had a good solid, like almost a year of her being devoid of emotion completely inhuman in conversations just not phased by what other people were but it was the reaction she learned to be that she played off the reflection of herself from the eyes of her peers so you saw humanity versus inhumanity and it was distinct and that that was a that was a dance that was a duet her and i did that i honestly think that you know as good as i am i could be horrific fine whatever the true pat him pat in the back the the applause would go to that player being able to portray those lessons. But that let me know as a storyteller, I did the sire well. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I've done that several times, and it's it's the height of me. That's my MO. I love sire-chilled relationships, and especially when they go good. Well, I, and I think that's a, a big part of like what is lacking from a lot of games, even games I've ran, where you lose sight of that growth of the character, and you're you really one of the key things of this game is the growth of the character, how the character changes. And um, it's not just like, I wrote a really great background and now I'm going to play that. Right. You're, you're, that's where you start, but you should be growing and evolving and reacting to the world around you and changing as the world changes. There is going to be some aspect where you don't change. Those are the core themes of your character. Right. But you should be able to pivot not to use a you know cheesy word, but you should be able to pivot when something comes at you. And having that relationship, having sort of like a one-on-one interaction, it, it can be very hard to do in a group game setting. Because if I spend an hour and a half 
to two hours with you running this really cool scene, well, the other players are going to be bored and they're, you know, going to be talking and jumping Here's out of the game. Here's the thing, though, man, and we're learning that even on uh, Curse of Cain. Yeah. The activities vary, right? Yeah. We open up all the rooms so everybody could see them so everybody knows stuff is going on. Right. But the problem is the concept they have is days off, and we've noticed this too. Yeah. We're off Tuesdays and Thursdays. When we're not there, people are still on, like rereading scenes and getting stuff done. Right. But then it's lining up the next days mm-hmm. and getting those to go on and getting everyone to participate. And one of the one one person had some disparaging remarks to mention that, you know, where are the scenes, where's where stuff going on? And you know, I'm how I answered is I'll say it now, because that's a, that's common. If we're getting this now, I want everybody to know if you're a storyteller getting players who feel that they're not entertained, are mm-hmm. you not entertained? Uh, here's the thing. We all do it. It's co-storytelling. Right. My job is not to one hundred percent full time, full tilt as your storyteller, keep one player engaged. Right. And keep them involved. My job is to keep all players engaged if they step up to the mount. Right. So if you want to dance, my job is just to play the song and provide the club. It's your job to get off the wall, Flower, and, right. and bust right. the move. No, absolutely. And that's how it is. And so that's a challenge no matter what, no matter what game you're playing. Right. But when you play Vampire and someone says, you know, I'm waiting to speak to this cool guy. Well, what the hell else do you do the rest of your life? Right. You know what I mean? Makes sense? No, absolutely. It... it uh... I agree with you 100%. I feel like it it shouldn't be just a series of jump cuts to the next cool NPC that, you know, storyteller spent 20 minutes creating. Because at that point, it's a movie. Right. At that point, I don't need you to be the player to tell me what you're doing. I could play, thanks for giving me a background, I'll add them to the story. No, and and that's absolutely true. I mean, I think that the key is when you're a storyteller, at least this is how it is for me. I have a a general understanding of the world that I've created and I have sort of these rough cuts, these rough outlines of things. And my ability, the reason why I can storytell is because when we get involved, I can very quickly create a story behind it. I can very quickly paint you a picture. Whereas with you, you should be the most defined thing in the room. It shouldn't be you waiting to talk to another npc that honestly we have a paragraph about right if that i mean there's times as a storyteller not to reveal too much but there's times as a storyteller i just have a vague idea this is a guy and he does this this is a tick of his personality well what you're talking about is that we want to be you want to be challenged as a storyteller to have to quickly portray that right to a player who's on the move right now every game will have this there's a percentage right basically about 15 percent of your game is going to be movers and shakers right that's just what I found. It's about it's a random percentage, but a low percentage is going to be the cream rises to the top. Right. This this is the best players, and that's what it is. And it's because these players are doing something. They're not good because this character concept was the best ever. Finally, picked the clan that works for them. They're good that because despite what activity isn't there, they're making their own way. Right. And they're going. They're living this character. Right. Yeah. And that's absolutely. what you want to do. And it's not about how much time they have. It's about maximizing the time they do have. Right. And when they do that, you reward those people. Those are the people who should get your attention. Oh, absolutely. Everybody else. Well, they're going to wait for the big scenes, and they're going to keep on waiting because the story evolves. Yep. It's not stagnant. Right. We may plan a scene, but that scene can get ruined, and that's any storyteller. And why I mention this is because let's get back to that that concept of sire-chilled relationships. Sire-chilled should never be a plot. No. Never should. 
I, I truly don't. I think plots are kind of cheesy when you make it that the sire hates the children is going to kill them. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's standard. That's, you know, you could do that now and again, get away with it. I'm all about sire has a child who wants to kill the child's friend who's in the <laughs> right, same coterie. Right. That's interesting. Right. Sire wants to challenge child. That's interesting too. But you, she should go deeper. You should always go deeper. And there should be, you know, give and take from the players. Right. Now, um, with the Zemis, you really can't give and take because above all the other clans, this is a clan that says, well, I've been taught to respect my elders. More importantly, definitely my sire. My sire can do anything about to me always. It's not one time he can. It's existence. Yeah. They write a letter politely asking me to come back. It doesn't matter if I'm Sabat Regent. Right. That's my sire. He is requested politely. Therefore, I have his hospitality. I'm going to respond in letter because etiquette demands it, and then I'm going to show up. No matter what sick shit we get down to, at the very least, we have our etiquette. Right. And that's the point. And that clan does it without having a law of hospitality written into the traditions. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. It's just time honored. It's the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I agree with you. I, I And even, even from the perspective of telling a story, a great story can be told through the sire and the chilled. Um, but I don't, I don't particularly care for Sire as antagonist, uh, you know, especially in, in a, in a form of, I guess, you know what, if you got three years into the game and the story had developed that way and there were, you know, perceived betrayals and you know, it's I'll, not, I'll but concede it's not, to that point. Yeah, it's not something that I would say like a six months into a game you want your sire. There's so many other things out there that you don't need to use the sire as the antagonist. Right. You know, and let's say uh, alternatively you're running a Dark Ages game. Sure. I get that. You're, you know, this is the Anarch Revolt and, you know, now that's the case. You, But from a modern day setting, I don't see that there's a need for that. Um, yeah, they can definitely be something that is a challenge and and very much they should be. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, but I feel like it's something that is often missed. And I think it's just a lot of times either storytellers don't, they just don't have the wherewithal to present that or they, you know, they, they just have this idea of like, it should be a uh, constant, uh, you know, brutal uh, fighting all the time. Yep. And, you know, then they go, oh, well, that ran out of steam, so now I don't know where to take it. And that's going to be hard not to because, uh, I don't know, that gets back to writing. There's a lot I learned in writing and storytelling. They go hand in hand. It's the same damn thing, right? That's that's how I see it. Right. But difference is storytelling, you're not, as, you're not nickel and dimed for your method, right? Writing is, it is what it is because that's how it's written. Storytelling, I can take out the crap scene and put in what I need to. Right. You know, immediately. But both have the same philosophy. I can't put action in the beginning unless it's going to be action throughout. Because there has to be something that keeps them entertained. And that means there's going to be a high point, right? There has to be a point where it's the climax. Right. You know, and then, you know, descend on down. Maybe you have your epilogue or whatever. But the point is, um, a story should follow a pattern. And that pattern should only be known to the storyteller. If a player could tell me, oh, Bob, that was a good act one. <laughs> right. I'm doing a terrible job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Well, I mean, I feel like that the the concept of like the act one, act two, act three, 
that's for you. That's your benchmark. Yes. That that shouldn't be something that they're following. Like, you know, really, to a degree, a lot of this is like, you know, creating a movie or writing a story. But at the same time, it should be more fluid than that because it is the existence of this character. And, you know, we were talking about the wallflowers. You as a person are three-dimensional. You have right. drives, you have goals, you have things that you want. You have things that, regardless of what anybody else is doing or whoever else you're going to be interacting with, there are things you want, whether they're for your survival, for necessity, or just straight-up desire. Well, if you, a person, are three-dimensional, why would you then play something that is not? Why would your fantasy to be less real than yourself? I agree with that. Your fantasy should be as real as you. It should be probably even more uh, real than you because there are things in your life that are going to stand as a barrier. There are things in your life that, you know, tragedies happen or you lose a job or your car breaks down and those things suck, right? But you have the ability to create a character who lives in a world where you have way more resources to overcome those mundane obstacles. I call that the lotto. Right. I like to call that. Well, you're probably not in my head and maybe you've come out of left field. But I feel you're driving towards a point that's always an irritant to any storyteller. If you're in a long running crowd, they're always like, man, it just seems we can't get our breath. Every time we turn around, there's another problem. We just can't get ahead. And I sit back and I think to myself, you put on a TV show mm-hmm. that held your interest where every day was gravy. Right. Every day was the lotto. Doesn't make any sense. Does not make any sense. That's not even life. No. Every day you wake up, it's a good day if you happen to get a meal you enjoyed. Right. You happen to have time to digest it. Things went well. You could think straight. You didn't have a headache. Your back didn't hurt. You're, you weren't annoyed. No one yelled at you. Um, people call that a good day. <laughs> right. You get by when that right. shit happens. And that's, that's minute, but enjoy it. Because a typical day is when you have challenges, but you overcame them. Okay. It was a day, but it's done. That's your every day. Right. A bad day is when your boss shits on you for something that wasn't your fault. You got snippy back and now your job might be in jeopardy because right. you did. You drove to work. You got a flat tire. It's raining out. You have you, to change the tire. You get home and you get into it with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife. Your kids hate you. And now it's like, man, this day sucks. What's going on? You're at your wits heads. Yeah, that's a that's a bad day where you're not overcoming your objections. Right, right. Not every day should be a bad day, but every day does have its challenges that you do overcome. And on a good day, hey. Nothing happened. Right. A bad day or a great day, you won the lotto. Not many lotto winners. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah, pointing right, it out. Right. And so um, that's not even a jaded perspective. That's life. So when you agree to be in something like the world of darkness and you're going to betray a vampire, well, what might be a typical day for a vampire? Right? Right. And we can, I'll spare you the diatribe. You get it though, you know? Right. No, absolutely. Uh, I agree with you. I feel like if, if you're playing a game and you're not looking for a challenge then you shouldn't be playing a game. You know, I, I just, I feel like, especially in a, in a role-playing scenario, if you're not looking for something that's going to turn your gears to get you thinking, to go, okay, how can I, number one, not me, not Nate, how can Nate get out of this? How can this character that I made, who has a different personality than me, who has a different set of goals, who's lived life differently, but I get the honor to control, how would that person get through this for sure and that's really what it's about it is a game with no winners it's like 
walking an endless maze. I need to go right down the right corridor, or if I go down the wrong corridor, I have to deal with that challenge. Then I have to, again, figure out how to overcome that obstacle. And that's what, what all these games are. And that's why this is different. You know, we, we've, we've gotten some shit because we give like fantasy type games a lot of, we've given them grief. Played them, but we've given them grief. But you have to understand how they're diametrically different in the way that they're designed. The way that a fantasy game, a dice rolling game is designed, it's really not much different at its core. It's facing a challenge, overcoming that obstacle, and moving on to the next challenge. It's it's a video game. Right, it is. This is essentially the same, but with way a lot more flavor. The challenges aren't necessarily, I have to go kill that monster. The challenges are, are vague. Now, a different perspective, to understand my deep-seated hatred for fantasy, is to understand that I don't feel that there can't be a fantasy game that can't be like White Wolf. No, absolutely. I, I, run, I ran one that was like that. What I'm saying is, is that the way they teach you, a module might as well be an um, expansion release for the main video game. Right. Right? That's what I see. Because it tells you, okay, we started here and we're level one. We jumped on the heads of these toads, <laughs> these toadstools, we're now level two. We jumped to turtles, we're now level three. We got to fight Bowser at the end. Okay, game's over. Right. When the next module comes out, guys, we'll continue on to that expansion. But until then, we're good. Meaning it's uniform. There's a way you got to be and a way you're supposed to be, yeah. and the rest doesn't matter. Right. It very very well can be that way. And that's my own, call it jaded, that's how it reads to me. And it's supposed to read that way because of the age range, mm-hmm. right? And that's the thing, the argument that people forget. Ages 10 and up is what D&D was written for. 10 and up. That's, that's when I started getting involved in it anyway. And when I, when I saw it, it was like, okay, cool, but it couldn't be too complex because look at the audience depth it has to hit. Right. So they didn't get that way. But it, it, and again, it's not really written from the perspective of story first. No, it can't be because how do you think about it? You're ten years old. Are you going to sit there long enough? No. To no. Well, and and that's the thing too. I feel like uh, uh, I don't have anything to back this up, but I feel like it was originally designed as like a strategy game. Uh, you know, you you are man- learning to manipulate rules in a way that gets you the best possible outcome so that you can move forward, just like a video game. I mean, that's that's why to me, fantasy games have have been so easy to transition to video game because there's a there's a mechanic to it there's a progress already right there there is a i i do this and i move forward i do this and i move forward i go to the next level i go to the next challenge i do this with a storytelling based game that doesn't really exist there isn't any clear benchmark for a goal the goal is what do you want the goal to be there you go there you go right and that's the whole thing and that's where co-storytelling comes um, I have a world. I made it. Stuff's going on. Stuff's happening for everyone you don't see. Right. You want to interact with one of them? Set it up. Like right. you would anybody else. You want to step out the door and go figure out what fate has in store for you? Go for it. But it may be nothing. I feel like fantasy-based games tend to be like a rocket. You light the fuse and you get out of the way. And you let it go. And it fires off. To me, a storytelling game is more like a, a watch. It's a lot of gears and a lot of dials and things that are playing with each other to create something that doesn't really seem to go anywhere. This this nerd words. I'm um I'm be me. <laughs> I'm be me on nerd words, and I'm gonna tell you this. I never fucking understood why I'm a I'm a damn paladin 
I'm sitting in the inn. Why did I choose to be a paladin? It says right here, my God likes the sun. The sun's cool. We like life. We hate undead. And for whatever reason, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a good dude. Right. I set the standard. All right, cool. In walks in the mayor and says, hey, town's filled with evil. Shit's going down. Evil vampire king has taken the one princess in the whole damn town. <laughs> Stole her and took her into some forgotten place. Where's that place called? You never get back, and when you die, you go straight to hell place. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's called You Never Get Back, and when you die, you go to hell place. That's where she is, and you know you go get her. Everything you find in that place is yours, and everything you defeat, well, it's yours to keep, too. You keep what you kill, and when you get back, I'll pay you 50 gold. Hang on. <laughs> I may find nothing but my death and eternal damnation, but when I get back, you're going to give me 50 gold? Yeah. Well, hey, man, I'm the town mayor. Yeah. I ain't got that much. I'll let you build your house right next to mine. <laughs> right? It's right back there. That's the shed with the two cows, homie. Right. That's, that's the two-cow stall back there. That's the mayor's right. house. You got to build your own. What's my point? Why would you go? Right. Well, you're a pal. I could be a pal as much as you like. If I am a level one paladin, you're telling me that's what I got to do at the far end of the spectrum? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we dice this down to what I got to do starting? And everyone's saying, well, a good dungeon master would. Let me tell you what usually happens. All right, says the mayor. We won't go there. Think of that later on we down the road. don't even know if the princess is still alive, homie. Right. She could be dead. Right. Chill out. She got kidnapped by a vampire. She's probably fucked. Let me tell you something that you could help with. You know, say your prayers for her, though. Right. Um... We got these goblins. They're running around, stealing children and items and things. You could find a goblin, right? <laughs> Paladin. Uh, yeah, sure. That's terrible. Where, where, where is it? Where are they stealing them from? I'm glad you asked. See, it turns out at night, every house has one shitty flaw. Goblins fit through the holes in the bottom. <laughs> what? Yeah, goblins find a way to sneak in these houses. They take whole kids. They steal them right out the window, and they're gone. They bolt the windows at night, right? Nah, not in this hamlet, man. It's, it's fantasy. We ain't got no metal. This is uh, These were made out of trees. Elves helped build this place for humans, and elves like trees, and you don't put wood over wood. That just don't, <laughs> you don't cut out wood to put wood over wood. You don't do that. Man, what the hell is wrong with your village, man? It's like, nah, don't get into that. You're going to go help defend these kids, right? All right, cool. So you go around and you got to convince the thief. Hey, man, some goblins kidnapping me. I don't care about that shit. Because I'm an OG. I don't give a shit about that. Is there money in it? Yeah, he going to give us 50 gold. And the mayor, I didn't say nothing about gold. <laughs> I said there was some kids taking you to Paladin. Go solve my shit. I'm going to sit here and mayor. That's what I do. And mayor's drink and eat when your ass is gone. <laughs> that 50 gold I was going to give you, going to get me a meal, a hot prostitute, and I'll catch you when you're back. Save the kids. <laughs> I got to turn to the rogue. See, and the rogue is halfway over by the mayor. By the time I turn around, like, hey, man, where are you going? Dude, I need you because there's going to be traps in the rogue. Why do I care about your traps? Right. Look, man, um, what's your alignment in the rogue? God damn it. Yeah, I got to go with you. I couldn't even exist if I didn't agree to have this alignment. Right? <laughs> right every time and so now i got this rogue who right. sort of wants to be there right who's looking at my pouch of non-coins because i work for the church 
And he's like, man, I'm going to rob people. You know that, right? Man, I'm a paladin. You know I got to bust your ass when you do? <laughs> yeah, but what if you're not looking? I still know you do it, and at the end, I'm shaking you out by your pockets. Stop robbing people. All right, man. Let's go. Well, we going to need a cleric. Someone's going to trip, fall, and bust their ass. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to go to this house, and how does it always happen? It's one house that still has kids, and you're there to protect them. We're all going to sleep outside. Now, somehow... These goblins are going to sneak by, get the kid, and we're going to wake up just as the goblin slips down a hole. Right. And then the rogue's like, shit, and he runs off. And you're like, paladin, i got to put my armor on, and the rules say that's going to take a full 10 minutes to get everything on and get together <laughs> and get my sword. And, and by the way, the rogue now and the goblin are doing this. You coming? <laughs> right. i got to chase him. i got a kid here. You know, it's like, what the fuck's going on? And you're like sitting here, and you're looking at the story, Dungeon Master's like, are we... Dude, you still having fun <laughs> at all? Yes, yes. Roll your initiative. <laughs> well, make it happen. And then if you're me and Nate, like me, I found I can only do fantasy drinking. Now, yeah, no, absolutely. And by the way, in this whole occasion with Bob playing his paladin, I'm off playing a barbarian somewhere, right? <laughs> like I'm in the group, but I'm like, there are women, there is wine, there are things to destroy. And they're like, dude, 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 the goblins, I don't care about... Yeah, hold on. I'll go. And I'm like, Ooh, and I, I, what do you do? <laughs> Run at the fucking hole, right? <laughs> Nate, <laughs> to be truthful about that, you would be the barbarian to run out, and you'd be like, he's in the hole, he's in the hole in the paladin. I can't get down to barbarian. Me neither, but check this out. I have a hammer. <laughs> what? This hammer? Right here? <laughs> now it's a six-foot hole. We could fit. That's a dead half of a kid. The goblin didn't get down that far. The paladin. I can't fault you because we had to get down the hole to save the kid. The goblin. What the fuck? We just we're turning them into us. We're just we're all kids. Just fucking we live down. Damn. Your alignment, guys. Tune in next week when we do an adventure that doesn't fuck over the town. Hey Nate, what was your alignment again? I am neutral. <laughs> What dumb bastard let both you and me play a rogue? Oh, man. I wasn't, you know what? It wasn't a me and you that played rogues. It was you and Adam that played rogues, and you played them in my game. Okay. You're the dumb bastard. Yeah, I, I am the dumb bastard. I'm I, remember the, I am the dumb bastard who went, I, I hate D&D, but I'm going to run it. <laughs> what would you like to play? <laughs> no, I thought for certain I played a rogue with you. I don't know. Because uh, I remember that the game ended the night one. I almost oh, possibly I mean, that may have happened. Well, we did. Here's what happened. I remember. Oh, no. That was like fucking way back in the day. Yeah. I remember we sat at the table and they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob does vampire, but you got to come out and try our nectar. Right. Yes. We yes. like your brew. Yeah. That was, in a, that was in a basement. Yes. That was way back when. But remember we made the, I, I'm sitting there with the rogue and I even forget what he said we had to go do. It was something crazy mm-hmm. that you guys were in the middle of. And I was like, nah, they're like, what? You, you're only offering me like, what? A hundred gold? <laughs> he's like that's a king's ransom have you seen the castle that door to the king's privy is a hundred gold yeah i made a hundred gold on the way here right and then exactly you were like that we were both like i i see you yeah it's yeah. cool and you were like i'm gonna renegotiate the contract to sign up for they were like fine and then the party had to pay us to get us to leave the building yeah and then we were like cool we left and we were 
it was it wasn't even like we were thieves. I don't know the first thing about playing a thief in real life. I do know that as a challenge comes to me and a challenge says, well, the town's starving and in the winter we're not going to have anything. And me and you both looked at this cart overflowing with produce mm -hmm. and shipments. And we're looking at the obvious villainous person of the town is the one merchant right. who has all this stuff. We're like, well, cool. We solved your plot. <laughs> no, you got to go in the dungeons and the traps. Uh, nah, man. Mm, this no, dude did it. Yeah. Like, no, no, seriously, I'm pulling a knife. I think he's going to sap him. I'm just going to cut him a bit, and we're going to get our answer right now. No, guys, you can't do it. Why? What's your alignment? Chaotic good? Some neutral good, really. This dude better off me. We going to do this. We're going to have to stop you. You're in a cave getting your ass kicked by zombies and some undead thing chasing you worse. Yep. We're not there, man. Do you know why people, they don't like when I play in their games? Because I don't mind playing a greedy rogue. <laughs> I, I feel like we're, you know, whatever reason we've been put together, like you all have your high and mighty soapbox beliefs. And my belief is I don't have your money and I should. It's, it's a strong belief, actually. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been at the uh, pointy end of a warrior sword after uh, their coin ends up missing. And I'm like, what? I, you can't prove I did it. You did it. I'm like, ah, well, you know, I mean, what were you going to buy with it anyways? What were you going <laughs> to buy with it anyways? It's another sword or some shinier armor. Come on. There's only so many women you can sleep with. I got five kids to feed. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we could talk years on some of them characters, man. Oh. But, the, but the point is, to tie back full circle, that is the difference between having a in-depth. If your story is sound, no player can talk their way out of it. Right. Without looking like a complete unrealistic not playing the game is the point. But if your story is filled with such peril, uh, in other words, a lot of those D&D &D scenarios are best laid out as digestible content, meaning we can get behind it. Right. You know, take that goblin scenario. The kids are missing and we don't know why. Right. But we've been looking for them and we can't find them. Do you mind helping out? Yeah, of course, man. We'll do it. I need a rogue because he has an idea of what sneaking's like and we have this cleric because right. what if the kids are wounded and you're a pal and a go lead it all together okay cool easy we already know it's some evil goblin dude right whatever right. I, I, I'm the wizard and I would like to know because children disappearing is quite ominous and, and you throw it I on like to study you throw it on him right. either you're an asshole or you're the hero what's it gonna be right it's not done that way right you know it's it's always here's the dire you know this take your gear get out there and get it done right well and the reason why i feel like those types of games like her heroic like heroic based games are popular is because that's not really a thing like it's not the world doesn't work that way because when you roll your murder hobo <laughs> you gotta make sure he's the best murder hobo <laughs> right. around right i come with two katanas uh, <laughs> i like to dual wield them and then when i'm done i will throw them away and I will pull out my dual machine guns. How I got thrown out of a D&D campaign part two. <laughs> they said I started 15th level. So I detailed out all the magical gear I normally wear. Right. Then I had my sub gear. And then I had all the minions I bought to carry all my loot. Because <laughs> everybody had a castle. And I literally spent four game sessions sitting in the background on a notepad just a writing. Because I didn't own the books. <laughs> right. So when he brought them, I'm just a writing and a writing. And he's laughing. He goes, go ahead and do it. And I was like, I'm not, I'm noting every copper, buddy. And I got to the end. I got to the editor. Finally, like, are you ready to adventure? Sure. They'd fought some half god demon ogre thing. And I come walking in and they got yet more treasure. Just in time for me. 
Because <laughs> here comes all my people with the Sherpa coming over the mountains. Everybody had to have their ring of sustenance. I had to note that those who were important, those were the bosses, by the way, right. of my, my people. I had a corporation name. <laughs> I built a corporation because I refused to have a home. It was that simple. Right. And uh, the the elf of the group, We're I had his being... train tracks as you go. Yes. I had, a, I had a wizard in the group who was NPC'd, and I wrote up a personality for him, handed it to him, he goes, this wizard hates you. He, he should hate me. Why does he hate you? I'm, I'm a rogue. I literally go into places, rob everything. I was unbolting and unscrewing things the mad wizard put in the maze mm -hmm. to bring them out to get their weight in <laughs> copper. I was discounting prices. How much is this worth? Well, that's a silver nail used to hammer it in for a lich ritual. I mean, that's like like a thousand platinum. Is it? <laughs> Looks like a thousand gold to me if you have it right now, friend. Sold. Hands it over, making money, handed to the, and, and this wizard hated me for it. And he was like, but why wouldn't a wizard kill you right now? He's lawful evil. That's why he won't kill me. He's like, what? He's getting rich. Right. He works for me. I don't want a lawful good guy to look after my serfs. Right. I want that lawful evil guy who gets the guy. He goes, but Bob, does that make you evil? No, I'm employing all of them. Right. He can't hurt any of them because if he does, I'll kill him. He knows the magical loot I got. I'll turn around and kill him. I got a whole party of people to hunt his ass down. He ain't going nowhere. Isn't that slavery? Nay, nay. Oh, dungeon master. Slavery <laughs> would be he didn't get paid. He didn't get to eat. He didn't get no magic loot. He gets all that. I included him. Then he goes to be slick. Well, he's getting um, a quarter of your XP done. <laughs> but since he's getting that, he's now making magic items for me. <laughs> you can't do that i'm 15th level well you would be 16th but a quarter of your xp went to him that's cool what am i one night of you guys stumbling through a bunch of traps getting half dead from getting what my 16th level yeah right. and then he gets me my magic item <laughs> it's a win-win i got thrown out thrown out not because we were yelling at each other but because when i handed him the notepad he's looking at 30 pages of shit i wrote up and i only did it because when they told me about this campaign and nagged me to play it over a year, right? I was getting nagged at my friends. I, I agreed to it, and I went there, and I went, do you see? And in the notebook, and he was like, fuck you. <laughs> you did this to mock me. I was like, yeah, I did. And now when you have to read it, he goes, you put more work in this notebook than I have my entire campaign. And he said it in front of everybody. And I was like, you sure did. <laughs> Check mark. Done and done. I think I know the problem with your game, my friend. Yeah. Well, you know, I hate to rag on D and D. It's where we, it's where we got our start. We've we've gotten plenty of critical reception for that, but sometimes you got to. Hey, we can fun with it. Like we, I yeah. think everybody understands. We don't hate it. Clearly, we've had experience with it. We played it, not right. played it, good and bad. I I am not a fan of fantasy. That that is my admission. I am not a fan of fantasy. But if you got a D and D game you want to run? Come on over. I'll play. I'll make a character. I'll, I'll play in your D and D game. I will take that. You know what? If only so you never run it again. <laughs> I won't even deliberately do it. I will play no. in your game as you play no, it. No, we, we are not, we are not, uh, we do not set out to shit on people's games, but we do have a particular style of play. Um, but yeah, if you got one, you're willing to pony up. But if you send buckwheats to shady ass mare to come convince me to leave, why well, isn't it go off and get bitches and booze? Right. We're going to have problems off the bat. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're gonna call it here. I think we've been uh, we've been talking for about an hour. Anyways, uh, like we said on our other podcast, if you didn't listen to that, shame on you. 
real quick to make it relevant, because I know we're not going to do this for a week. Yeah. Said, yeah, okay. just next week. So the new wit's coming out, right? It's about to hit, and so is the Dark Tower. The new what? Dark Tower, Stephen King. Yeah. And then what was the other one the you said? The Gunslinger. Is it Dark Tower or The Gunslinger? You're the pro on that. The Dark Tower, The Gunslinger. I don't know what the movie's called, but it's okay. the first book is called The Dark Tower, The Gunslinger. It's based off of that. Actually, I was reading, it's not even that it's based off of that. It's supposed to act as a sequel to the source material. What? I don't want to get involved in that conversation. So how are you going to get me to even watch the movie? Well, apparently you don't need to be based. I, I don't know, man. Uh, it's it's a ninety five minute long movie. They gave this dude his own se- his own series though. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have high hopes. We'll just put it that way. Yo, man, I was throwing movies into it because I thought I had. So I don't even want to talk about the interesting points now. You just <laughs> shot it. You just literally shot. I was like, I thought that'd be cool. You've been looking for it. Nah, we're done. No, I I actually I have no interest in seeing it. Kill the power. No, I'll just go back and read the books and and keep living with that. I'll wait till it comes out on video. Which is sad to say, because the Dark Tower series is my favorite set of fiction. It's like, that's my shit. And I I don't know how you could um, fit it into 95 minutes of a movie. Uh, I mean, like, there's more going on in an episode of Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? Like, so, anyways, it is what it is. I don't really care. I'll wait till it comes out on video and watch it then. So, Yeah. Anyways, my heart's broken. I had points and we'll do it later. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah. And someone decided it was a good idea to remake Death Wish. And that preview looks fucking How? terrible. I don't know if you've seen the. the uh, I've seen Death Wish. Right. And I don't know why you would remake it. I don't either. Um, but the, the trailer looks stupefyingly dumb. It looks terrible. And I don't know if it's just that they made a bad trailer or if Bruce Willis is too old for me to give a shit about anymore, or that they decided to use an ACDC song in it, or that they didn't need to remake, like, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, we will not be present next week. We're sorry about last week, by the way. We were just very tired. Um, But thank you for listening to us for two years. My name is Nathan. And I'm Bob. And this has been Nerd Words. Have a good day, and good night, and good evening. Get lost. You wouldn't recognize a goddamn vampire if one jumped up and bit you on the end of your fucking dick. So just get off my back. Branch it up! Time to deliver a pizza ball! You want a bad time, you better stand up! Find the way!